The Tough Love and Second Chances podcast is written and produced by Tony Bennett on behalf of Edgar and reveals remarkable stories of those who refuse to be defined by their disability. The power of the human spirit shines through with examples of how hope, courage, and the opportunity to express oneself through the game of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. I had first met Dennis in Richmond, Virginia in May 2019 when he was competing in a US Disabled Golf Association tournament. I'd spotted Dennis in the practice day and there was something about him that made me curious. Here was a man laughing and joking with anyone who happened to be nearby, having what looked to be the time of his life and enjoying the camaraderie of other players, some of which I found out later he'd only just met. Dennis has an infectious can-do attitude and is grateful for, as he puts it, his second lease on life. The game has been part of his life for more than 50 years, except for an enforced 10-year absence. Please enjoy my conversation with Dennis Ducci. Whereabouts are you right now, Dennis? We are, I'm in uh, Stanwood, Washington, which is about an hour north of Seattle. Okay. And that's where your son lives, you say? Yep, yep. My son lives up here. He's uh, married, just had his first child. He's got a six-month-old little girl. And so I'm a, this is my first grandchild. Yeah. And so I'm uh, seeing, you know, enjoying my granddaughter, and we're just having a great weekend. I bet you're loving it, aren't you? Oh yes, 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 yes. So she's a she's a sweetheart. I mean, just to see you know your your children grow up and having children and you know having success in life. It's uh, I'm very proud of them. How far away are you from your your family there? You, where do you live? I live in uh, well, at Lake Shastina. It's a kind of a bedroom community, but we have a golf course there. And I live off the second hole. And so I that's why I get to play golf a lot. <laughs> I'm very close proximity to the golf course. And uh, I'm about 11 hours away from my son. Live about 11 hours away from my son. It's in uh, Northern California, just on the other side of the Oregon border. So when you, right say, 11, Shasta. When you say 11 hours, that's 11 hours by car, right? Yes, yes, driving. Yeah. And so how often do you go there? I come up here once a year. Okay. At least. Um, I, in the summertime, I'll come up and I'll drive up because I have to bring my paragolfer. Yeah. And then we go and play golf. How, how do you find driving with the paragolfer? It's quite easy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I just load it up in the back of my truck and uh, away we go. I've got a, a canopy on the back of my pickup, so yeah. it's covered. Yeah. And get it inside so I don't have to worry about any weather or the sun beating on it while I'm, you know, driving or anything. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's fairly easy. Cool. Uh, Dennis, I know we were together, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago now. And uh, Yes, at the U.S. Disabled Golf uh, Opens. Right, in Richmond. There in Virginia. Exactly, exactly. And I really enjoyed watching you play, and your enthusiasm is pretty infectious, Dennis, I've got to tell you. Well, Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, well, you know, it wasn't always this way, Tony. And I was, you know, injured in a skiing accident. Um, I didn't sever my spinal cord, but I 
ruptured my T12 vertebrae and crushed my spinal cord. Okay. And which basically left me paralyzed and wondering what I was going to do with life. Can I, before, the, we go, before we go into that, Dennis, can I just track back a little bit? To, can you yeah, tell me yeah. about the accident itself? Well, uh, my son was getting into, uh, he was involved in a junior ski team and the parents had to volunteer. We were raising money and one of those things, he just went up there and I used to ski avidly when I was younger. And so getting, getting back on skis was like, you know, riding a bike. It all comes together fairly quickly. Oh yeah, this making turns, da 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 And I was, uh, I was extreme on the skiing end of it when I was younger, so I'd jump off cliffs and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyways, I just did a small jump and threw me the wrong way. And I went, basically it flipped me up like a carpet being jerked out from underneath your feet. Okay. And just went upside down and pretty much landed on my head and mm. snapped in the middle. What, what, and, you, what was going through your mind at that time? Well, <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've had uh, accidents skiing before, and but never to that severity. And I'd always, you know, hey, they're sending the, sending the, uh, the little cart up for you. We're going to haul you off the mountain. And, uh, and I had that happen one other time, and I picked up my ski and I skied down on one leg. <laughs> I'm like, you're not, you're not carting me off the mountain. I'm getting off on my own power. Anyways, I told after my accident, I said, hey, take my skis off. And they said, your skis are already off. And I went, uh oh, okay. this isn't good. Yeah. And they put me in the basket, hauled me down. And it was just like, I didn't know what I was in for. And I'd always been pretty resilient. I'd always bounced from most accidents and figure, hey, you know what? You're just going to put everything into it and you'll get better. And I came, I, you know, did everything I could for as long as I could, it seemed like. And I started looking into treatments and different things such as stem cell when I wasn't progressing at the pace that I really wanted to. And anyhow, I had a, in my family, my ex-wife, I'm now divorced. I was looking at the stem cell and it was like, Hey, it had to be a certain kind of stem cell or, you know, it wasn't ethical. Okay. I was like, geez, I just want to have my wheelchair. I don't want, you know, I, I can't get picky yeah. at this point. And so it, it led to a lot of strife and which put my children under a lot of stress. And I mean, it was a, you don't realize where you're going until you hit the bottom and you come back out. Right. And anyhow, I you know, want to say a long story short, I ended up uh, going to China to for stem cell. And at this point, we've been separated, and I think my divorce was fine. In fact, my divorce was final, I think, just within a week of me leaving to go to China, because I had to basically get in line for the stem cell. It, took, it was about a year waiting time. And so I went over there, and I had my first treatment, and it made a huge difference. 
I was in constant pain. I couldn't basically, it was almost like I, I wake up, have a cup of coffee and had to lay back down because my sciatica was so bad okay. and other pain issues, just trying to function. And when that happened and I started really getting back into my physical therapy, working out, trying to get my body stronger, which it helped, like they helped tremendously. And I think it was 18 months after my first treatment, I went back and got a second treatment. And it didn't, I mean, it made some difference, but not as much as the first. So that's why I stopped at two treatments. And after that, I was like, you know, I can travel. Because I went to China. That was really my first big trip after my injury. And my mom and my aunt with me, with, with me for support. And I, I've got a great family just to add that in there. And anyhow, um, I came back from the second trip and then I started getting more involved with my children. I took my son to Disney World and my daughter. We went over there and then I, <laughs> I fractured my hip <laughs> in Disney World <laughs> on one of the rides. And I went through the entire week with them. I was like, oh, and I still, then we came home and I was like, oh, you have a fractured hip. Okay. okay. And so I ended up having to have surgery and then I came out with a one leg shorter. And dang it. So anyways, I tried to keep staying active and whatnot. I had a, a power chair that was called an iBot. And I don't know if you're familiar with those. No. An iBot four thousand. No, no. Well it had this it had the Segway technology in it and it could actually um it had like a four wheel drive and everything. It could virtually go anywhere it could go upstairs and whatnot and so i used it for doing stuff outside and staying busy around the house but that's all it was it was it wasn't in you know promoting to me it wasn't promoting getting out and doing things with other folks mm-hmm. you know what i mean it was i i there was no way i could take it on the golf course because you make a turn with it and it just rips up the ground Right. Because it was four-wheel drive and track. Anyways, it went downhill and uh, broke down on me. And I was like, oh, man. I use it for gardening, everything. that You know, trying to stay as much independence as I could, you know, in my own world there. So anyways, it uh, broke down. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. What am I going to do? And I started looking into other, you know, chairs, what I could get, what it was what was available to me. Uh, and I ended up calling uh, Anthony Netto with the Stand Up and Play Foundation and, you know, investigating on the paragolfer. Yeah. And I was asking him about it and I looked at it and I was like, you know, this could be, you know, really great if I could possibly play golf again. And so I purchased a plane ticket and flew down to San Diego to check this chair out. And I met Anthony. Yep. And he, you know, showed me what I need, you know, how to operate it, what to do. And I was like, he asked me how, you know, how long has it been since I swung the golf club? And it was about almost 10 and a half years at that point. Because you'd already played before him, yeah? Oh, yes. Yes. I was, uh, prior, I was like, I was, I was a four handicap. And so I was fairly proficient. More than fairly fairly proficient, Dennis. More than fairly proficient. (laughs) Okay. Well, 
I just I enjoyed the game, and we had a, it was always a family thing. And my dad played, and maybe stay taking a step back here. My dad, when he was in college, I was born. My parents were seventeen when I was born, and my dad. So I was there when my dad went to college, and his one of his jobs in college was working at a pro shop at Del Paso Heights Country Club in Sacramento, and. He, so he was out. He that's when he took up golf okay. himself, and so I was there as a four year old. You know, he dragged me out, and I'm watching Dad, and I just go out to the golf course with him. He he gave me a nine iron when I was five years old. Cut it down, basically put some electrical tape over the end of the where he cut it. You know, tap on the shaft so it wouldn't try to cover the sharp ends. And I would take a plastic ball and I'd hit it around my yard. <laughs> that's where I, that's when I started, you know, really kind of learning the like, hey, learning kind of a golf swing, and just watching. And at about the age of eight or nine, I got my first junior clubs, and we had moved back it up to Weed, California. Where my family is all from Weed, and my great grandfather emigrated from Italy to lead to work in the lumber mill there in the early 1900s. And so I'm fourth generation from that area. And so we did, you know, all the grandparents, everybody was there. So anyhow, that's where we lived. And we would, I would go out to the lead golf course in a little nine hole course. And when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, I would just play. I would go out and then spend the day at the golf course. And I would just hit the ball. I'd play sometimes 54 holes in a day. Right. And I walked. Oh, you know, around, 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 around. Until it almost got dark, and then Mom would come pick me up. <laughs> and never any lessons, you know, in that time. And so, I, as I say, I enjoyed golf. I would, uh, when I wasn't playing, I was walking up and down the creek looking for golf balls. <laughs> and then, and then my father would go through the golf balls. Oh, this is a dad ball. Oh, this is you know. I'd be like, <laughs> hey, I want some good balls. <laughs> so there's kind of a little history of you know growing up with with golf, and we've you know it's one it's one of those games that now it's like I play it with my cousins, and it's just hey, it's the it's the pastime so me, because it's something you can do. After getting a pair of golfer, now it is. It's something you can do for a lifetime. Let me let, just hold that thought just for a minute. And so I'm going to go back to uh, you, you were talking about, you know, starting to play the game in the backyard there. and But eventually you got to four handicap. So that didn't happen by accident. You, you obviously no. put a, a lot of time in, a lot of practice in. Did you have anybody that was helping you with your game at that time to, to help you to improve? You know what? No, I I felt as like I have always been fairly athletic. I've been I'm involved in all different kinds of sports through my life. I uh, in high school I really didn't play much golf. I was a pole vaulter. Pole vaulter. I played football. Yeah. Well, not every day. That, not every day that you meet somebody who's a pole vaulter. And I did. I jumped. Uh, I'm not what the, sure what the equivalent in meters would be, but I uh, jumped 14 feet. Was my highest jump. 
And, you know, he, he did a lot of training. You learn gymnastics. So it's an overall body coordination. Right. And I know that helped me in the golf game because golf game is a, it's an overall body coordination sport. You need to, you know, you're using your whole body. Right. And I would say probably one thing that got me down to where I, I was always in that, oh, I'd say 10 to 13 handicap range. Yeah. But then I was, I'd played with my dad and I always played with better players. And we would play for money. And so when you lose and you have to pull your wallet out, and you're paying other people. Yeah. I call that the lesson. Yeah. And so when you're being separated from your money, it's like, okay, it makes you concentrate a little more on your game. And that's where I got better. Down when I got down to the four. And I could hit the ball a long ways. I was easily driving over 300 yards all the time. And I can get on all the par fives, whether they were 520 to 550 yards. I get on them in two constantly. Yeah. And I play par fives like par fours. This is, fascinating st- this is fascinating stuff, really, because I guess that if we now move forward to where you are today in your chair, you probably were in a position to be able to help yourself again to learn how to play from the chair. Yes, and it, it did. It, it, it helped a lot, but I did have to learn a whole new swing. Yeah, being in the chair, and if I didn't have that instruction from Anthony, I would have struggled for a lot longer to where I feel more proficient in my chair. And I'll say this: I enjoy the game more now today at a twenty-four handicap than I was at a four handicap. Okay, so you need to explain that because there's going to be a lot of people out there that equate enjoyment with a low handicap. And I, I understand that that's not the case. I understand well, that a lot of people get a lot of satisfaction from the game for many different reasons. But there is many people out there that, satis- that, that, that get their satisfaction from a low handicap. So go on, just explain that. Well, Dennis. I, was, I was very satisfied being a low handicap. And... After having the injury and being separated from the game for 10 and a half years, the game that I loved, and it got me out, and that was, you know, I'd, I'd had all my life habits when I had my injury. And so ha- having to relearn everything, it's made me have a new appreciation for the game after, you know, being separated from it. Right. And coming back to it now, I mean, and as I mentioned, going through a bad divorce it, with the children and everything, golf put my son and I's relationship back together. Okay. And I could tell after everything that we'd gone through, he was proud of me again. Because of the fact that I never gave up on my injury, and I persisted forward and to where I am now today. And that's priceless. It and and that's you know that's why the game is more enjoyable to me today because it's a I, I enjoy the the camaraderie and 
now that I've gone to some of these disabled events and to see other people, what they've overcome and everything, it's, it, it, it's like a, I've got a whole new family. Yeah. And I'm making friends around the world with this. And so how can I not be, you know, it's like, be more, I am more happy today with being a 24 than I was with a four. Uh, it's a perfect explanation. And certainly when I was uh, in the States there with you, uh, I saw that you, you certainly seemed to enjoy the camaraderie of all the other players and everybody seemed to appreciate, uh, you know, your attitude and your can-do kind of attitude. And uh, it was certainly very nice to watch and very nice to, to witness uh, that kind of uh, atmosphere at the event. And I, I'm fully aware of that because clearly we've had, you know, I've been involved now for, for more years than I would care to remember. Um, <laughs> I, I see it every every time I go to a tournament, and you know, I've I've seen tournaments, and that's that's been my life for 40, uh, 42 years, and I've seen golf at every level from the very beginner, the first you know the first touch somebody has, to just sample the game all the way through to, you know the the top players in the world competing for major championships, and the atmosphere at events uh, for a golfer with disability is very different. And it's very different in a positive way. So, can you tell me a little bit about the importance of your your family, friends, and colleagues? I know you've already alluded to your family, and, and you, you you talked about new friends and colleagues that are now playing this disabled game. Well, yes, and I, and I have to say, to just to take a step back, I'm going to give credit to one friend in particular, and. He got me out hunting, just to take me on a hunting trip. And that was probably the most important time because that was getting out with the friends again. And he was very, his name's Bill Moreno. And he was very persistent. And he didn't let my disability get in the way of you know, he was always trying. He said, hey, come on. You can do it. Come on out. I've seen other people do it. You can do it. Yeah. And so just to do that one thing, it led to all these others. And he was probably the most instrumental friend. I would say he was the, the catalyst that got me to where I am today. So where was that hunting expedition? It was at Tule Lake. Um, it was out duck hunting. We call it the swamp. And so it's not really wheelchair friendly, let's put it that way. <laughs> and that's why, you know, it's like, hey, he was willing to take me and do all the extra work to get me in the boat, to do all the whole the whole nine yards. And it was just, you know, it's like one thing leads to another. Yeah. And then I've also had a very, very supportive family. My mother and father. Um They've been there every step of the way. Um, we've, like I say, my parents, I was born when my parents were 17. So they haven't had it, you know, completely easy and they're still together today. So they're very important role models to me. Yep. And then I, like I say, I've got, I work in a family business. So therefore the support there 
help. There's not like just having another job and just being kicked out because right. you have a disability. Yeah. Um, I still, you know, I not in the same capacity at work because I've got all the other things going on, going on with my um, golfing friends now and traveling all over with it, and they support it wholeheartedly. They, they, like, <laughs> and so I work part time. I do sales. Okay. For we're in the lumber business. Okay. And I still, I still stay in touch with a few people, and it's my, it's just over the phone business mostly. So it's like putting orders together and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's just being at, you know, involved, active, in touch, you know, just keeping your finger on the pulse. I mean, I, I get the impression that that golf has been really essential for you um, in this this second. Um, iteration of golf. Um, can you can you walk me through what golf means to you and how it's had a positive impact on your life? Well, it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's where I am today, and you know that infectious attitude you spoke of. It's like I enjoy being outside. I enjoy being out with people. I enjoy the competition. It's, yeah, you know, like I said, it's a second lease on life. I never dreamed I would be where I'm at today after my injury. And I just, I feel incredibly blessed. And so I try to, it's, that's why the attitude I have to it is like, I, I feel like I'm living, living a charmed life now. Yeah. Even, even though I have to deal with the struggles of the disability and things like that, it's learning that to cope with them the way I have and just not give up. And I've always had that, uh, let's say, a positive attitude of just trying to keep going. And... Golf has just been, like I say, it's it's one of those things that have been in, in the centrist even when I starting from five. So being able to get back into the game, it it's it's more than just a game because of what it's done for me, putting my the relationship with me and my son back together. Um. Dennis, are you prepared to tell me about those difficulties that that you have? Well, they're day just day? you know things that we take for granted prior to say the injuries. And when I say difficulties, are you know the how do you, it's dealing with some of the bathroom issues that right. we have to deal with, and you know say a privacy thing of you know that the things we take for granted. Yeah, and. We try to go through things as normal as we can, but then it's learning how to handle some of the situations. And with people, I say that's probably been pain issues. You know, it's that you have and getting through. And sometimes you just don't want to talk about them because, like, you want to put them behind. Yeah. And not project those things. But again, I think for somebody who 
who perhaps is facing, you know, maybe they're in a situation right now where they just fell on the head and they're in a situation that you found yourself in a few years ago and they need to they, they need to be kind of prepared i guess for what's coming i get i, I assume i don't know oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah and, it's you know they, they're gonna look at they're gonna look at you and they're gonna think well this guy's got his his stuff together and he knows where he's going and it's all right for him and you know you you've obviously faced all of these things you've come through most of these things and you live with many of these things on a day-to-day -day basis and correct so th th this is kind of the you know this is kind of the meat of the issue if you like that they need to understand what, exactly what's going to what, what they're going to face and i know every case is different and i know everybody's every individual is different and the attitude that they they bring to their rehabilitation is is different but nevertheless i think you know the the, the guide that you can give them really helps well i had a um just recently, just in mentioning that, I had a uh, one of my high school friends. He was telling me about a young man who had an unfortunate incident, and he tried to commit suicide. And he wasn't successful at it, thank God. And, I mean, he may not think that in certain times, but he literally, and, and you might have seen him in the news, but he blew his face off with a shotgun right. and he had a face transplant. Yeah. And my friend was telling his father about me and showing videos of me playing golf and they play golf, you know, and that's where he kind of just, and he knows that I'm involved in some of these things, Paralong drive, the disabled golf tournaments and such. And, he asked me, he says, hey, do you think they would be okay for this kid? Or do you think it would be okay if his, says, I don't think the, the son would reach out to you, but can I have his dad call you? I said, Shh, absolutely. And so I talked to him the other night, and it's, it's things like that now. That, and I gave him information, and I'm going to get him in touch with a couple of guys that do, you know, run our Paralong Drive. And that's, and that's where the network, the community has grown. And try to get him the information so that he can come along. Yeah. And see that there's what and when you're at these like events that we were at where we met, you see all these other people and you realize you're not so different than the other guy right next to you. You one guy may be in a chair, the other person's, you know, met, missing a couple legs or an arm or whatever it may be. We all share different challenges, but when we come to the golf course, we're all the same. Right. And that attitude, I think it's the next guy just it multiplies and snowballs on us all. Yeah. And I, I get such an energy out of going to those things that it's, uh, I can't describe just, I mean, it's a, uh, it's such a positive effect on you that it just makes you want to go back for more. Tell me, from, from your experience, if you had unlimited resources and unlimited connections um, and you were in a decision-making role, what 
three decisions would you use or you what would you take to positively impact golf for the disabled and, and, and why would you do that? One is having proper equipment at each course because that's what promotes the game and gets people to it. You've got to have the adaptive equipment. If you don't have that there and then the right people there, it's it's tough to get people out of their shell. So when you say proper equipment, I, I assume that you're talking about things like the paragolfer? Exactly. The paragolfer, um, people that know what the, the – and, and somebody to give proper instruction. Right. To So that you're – if I would have gotten in the pair of golfer and not had the instruction from Anthony, I don't think I'd be where I'm at right now because he gave me the tools to, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Okay. And being a golfer already, I was like, okay, you know how you, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, trial and error. Yeah. And what doesn't, okay, this, this doesn't work, but you've got to still take, from your regular golf game, and then what I say of that is, is hey, got to keep that right elbow in, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so that you do, you've still got to start your swing out, which is a little different on the outside, outside and inside, and to get the you know get the ball up, to get the you know, yeah, to get the shots the way you you know what you were used to. Yeah, understood. And if you go out there and you try to use your old swing or a swing that is conventional, it's not going to work. So having somebody there that knows what the other person is experiencing, whether they're an able body or disabled, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it really doesn't matter just so that somebody can teach you the right way. And that way that gets more people. It's like if you have more success, you're more apt to come back. Right. Well, I, I, as I say, I've got to tell you, I, I got in a paragolf uh, maybe seven or eight years ago. I don't remember how long ago now. And uh, I'm a professional golfer myself. And, you know, I've got a reasonably good game. And I, uh, I got in this, this paragolf. I got myself strapped in and got myself stood up and proceeded to miss the ball. Well, not miss it, but certainly knock it along the ground. Uh, right, three or four times, and oh, this is different. This doesn't. This isn't exactly the same as it is, as you would play, shall we say, conventionally. And so it took me a little while. It took me uh, a number of shots on the range to get the feel of, of, you know, what I could do and what I couldn't do. And clearly, there's 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 many adaptions you need to make. And um, so yeah, I'm 100% convinced that you're right. That you need the right people there with the right knowledge to be able to help you. So. We we've got proper equipment as one of your your uh, your top three. We've got the right people, I assume, properly trained to be able to to deal with the the player that's in front of them. And then what about a third? The third is having the course set up so that a, a disabled person doesn't feel like the course is shrunk down because of places they can't access. Okay. For instance, my the course I play at isn't was never set up as a course for disabilities. No courses, really, any course of any age. 
it is not set up for anybody disabled. But yet, our course doesn't have like super deep bunkers where you can, you know, throw an elephant in and (laughs) you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you don't know any difference. Um, So just having bunkers that are accessible to be able to get in with the carts or if a person say, you know, on any kind of prosthetics, they could easily get in, get out and think such as that. And there, you know, there are going to be places and this is, you know, what I do. And, you know, I play in regular men's club events now. And what they'll do for me is if a ball is in an unsafe place, they'll give me relief to a safe place right. basically with no penalty as long as I'm not changing the lie. You know what I mean? The yeah. Going from rough to fairway. Yeah. <clears throat> Got it. So that is just the, the things. And if they would adapt some rules like that so that it, um, disabled golfers could be involved in playing with regular folks. Yeah. Because I think that there needs to be a promotion of those things to be, to get more people out. And that's what was so nice about when we were back there in Virginia is we had the TV, the media there. And I, you know, I was interviewed a couple times and it's just like, it's, you know, reaching out, having that out in the media, out in the world. All it takes is somebody to watch the news and say, yeah, they may make that call to stand up and play or, to yeah. just come out and do some investigating. I think we'll and that's them. where the disabled community, I think just, and people like yourself getting involved with this is, I, my hat's off to you, Tony, because I can't, my gratitude for you doing what you do is, you know, it's, it's, it's admirable. Well, I mean, the, the, because the, not, not all able-bodied people have the understanding that you have there and the fact that you got in a pair of golfer to try to experience it. I didn't understand anything. I mean, I, I know golf. I get golf. I, I was just, I've been doing that. Well, I've been a golf professional now for 42 years. So, you know, there's, I've seen a lot. Um, and when I first got involved with uh, golf for the disabled, it kind of, it kind of challenged everything that I knew about golf. And certainly made me look at things in a very different way. And I'm I'm definitely a better golf professional because of my experience with disabled golfers, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm a, uh, I'm oh, a, I, can, I can I would agree and believe you wholeheartedly with that statement. And I hope that also I'm a better person because I've got to meet lots of really good people that have definitely changed my my view on life i guess um well so you know that's that's been very positive for me and yeah. I, but but you mentioned you mentioned some really interesting points there about golf course setup which i guess you also alluded to the fact that really golfer golf just plays together you know so regular golfers professional golfers disabled golfers women men old young all different races, they all play golf together. There is no kind of exception or barriers. Um, and I think that's one of the, the, the major powers that golf has got over more or less any other sport. So, I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about you as a tennis player, because uh, we haven't mentioned tennis, but 
you know, I think it would be a long time before you could sit on the same court uh, and play against, um, you know, a, a Roger Federer or against a Rafael Nadal. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just not going to happen. Um, and But you can go on the same golf course and play with a, a Tiger Woods or with a, you know, a, a DJ or a, a, a Brooks Kepska or you, you can go and play with those guys and you're playing the same golf course. It's, it is possible to do. Absolutely. That is one of the major powers of the game. And I, I love the idea of what you said, um, which I see every time I go to an event, is that the modifications of the rules are there to do exactly what your buddies are doing with you on the golf course, which is saying, okay, let's get it out of an unsafe area. Let's get you into a safe area to be able to go and play. And the modifications of the rules to a large extent allows that to happen. And so that's a good thing. But my, well, I, I need to ask you a question on this one, Danny. Sorry, before you before you no, 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 answer, go ahead. which is, you'll play off the same tees as your buddies, correct? Correct. So there is no. So you've got a golf handicap which takes care of all of that. So the fact that maybe the golf course is whatever it is, five thousand five hundred yards or six thousand yards, or whatever it is. To a large extent, is immaterial because you've got a you've got a, a a golf handicap that is adjusted to allow you to be able to play that golf course. Correct. Correct. Yes. So that's that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Oh, getting my my index again was it? It was like the, like I said, the new lease on life when I finally did it, and it took me a couple years of playing. In the pair golf, or before I felt like I could, it's like, because Anthony's, hey, come on, as soon as I bought it, he's like, come on, join these pair golf events. And I was like, oh, I, I was still learning. You know, I didn't feel like I was there at that point. Right. And it took a couple years. And then he said, hey, I got a there's a tournament up in uh, Portland, Oregon, at Pumpkin Ridge, where Tiger Woods, uh, you were just speaking of, yeah. you know, playing the same course. Well, it's where Tiger Woods won his uh, his amateur title, the U.S. amateur title, before he right before he turned pro. Yeah. And so we went. We there was a tournament there, at Pumpkin Ridge, and I was like, Ah, hey, sure, this would be great. And that's where I met. There was a lot of people at the event we were at there in Virginia. That the you know the first event like that is such a blur that there's it's like. And then you started seeing, oh, yeah, you were there. And so it's so it like you're, you're, the whole family kept growing. And, but it was just getting to that one deal and finding out that you could play with these guys. Yeah. And I won my division there. And it was just one thing led to another. And then Anthony uh, Neto and the Santa Fe Play Foundation got through. He, he invited me to come play in Spain. And we went and played in Spain this last fall yeah. and met all these other people. Met some of the people that you had featured in your Mulligan's book. Exactly, exactly. Like, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ibji Shlomo? Yeah. He says it's Solomon. Yeah. Shlomo, yeah, exactly. And from Israel, um, I met Monique. Yeah. From the Netherlands. And then Rich O'Brien, I've known him for several years now yeah so to see all those people in your book and it's like oh goodness it's like all the stuff just comes together interesting when you play with your buddies do they give you any um you know any any handouts i guess they don't 
No. <laughs> there are no handouts. It's, you know, there is a, uh, they, they do, you know, they help me mark the ball on the green. Right. Things like that. Um, but I have gotten to where it's like, you know, they used to tee my ball up for me every time. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and so I searched around and I found this little device and it's like, hey, I can tee my own ball up. And yeah. I do everything. It's like, and I know you, you saw that when I was there in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And so the more you can do, for yourself and do it like even, you know, just find little things that make the game, you know, so you're not relying on people and you can go out and practice on your own or do whatever. You don't have, you don't. And that is the one thing I would say probably most important in getting your game. So how do you, because then you have nobody to blame but yourself. If you don't do something right. Exactly right. Exactly right. And not only that, you're just equal, yeah? You just, uh, I mean, we have a, a, a strap line for Edgar, which is called Golfers First. And we just, that, that's part of our ethos. Our ethos is to see the person first, the golfer second, and then the disability third. And by the time we've seen the human, and by the time we've seen the golfer, we don't even have to get to the third part. Um, we just see people as, as people. So Exactly. Uh, and I think golf really helps us to do that because, you know, I, I was being a little bit flippant when I said no, no handouts for you because I definitely don't see any handouts where we are. You know, I, I actually just see lots of competition between players and it's friendly competition, of course, but nevertheless, it's competition and it's just, I want, you know, I want to beat this guy and it doesn't really matter whether the guy's on one leg, blind, in a wheelchair or, you know, what we class as, as, as totally able. Uh, everybody just wants to beat everybody else and that's that's part of it and then they all get in the bar afterwards and they go and have a beer and share the good shots and exactly exaggerate the putt that they hold and or exaggerate the putt that they missed and you know it's just 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 four guys playing together you know and that's what it was too we we went to the the pub after the the rounds there in virginia and just that camaraderie afterwards and is is priceless. Okay, D Dennis, tell me what. So, what does the future hold for you now? Well, now I'm I'm getting more involved, and especially with this world ranking system coming out, um, I wouldn't say getting more involved. I'm going, I'm trying to go to more tournaments, right? And and finding out that yeah, I have a world ranking, um, and and I feel that the more I can get out there and do, the more I am an example for other folks and trying to get other folks that can come out and do. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, the future for me, is nothing but up. I, as I said before, I didn't dream that I would be in this position, you know, five years ago. Cause that five years ago is when I just started. Yep. And I had a uh, a vision that, you know, yeah, hey, get golf. And I still, right now, like I said, I'm a 23-something index, which equates, like I say, 24 handicap, 20, yep. just depending on the slope of the course. But I feel that I can get into the teens. Yeah. As far as an index, and it's just a matter of, one, I play, like I say, when the course I play, I'm playing at longer tees than when I'm playing with other people. And when I go to these tournaments, I'm like, wow, 
<laughs> I can hit some of these part fives in three, and I can yeah. hit the part fours in two. Even though I'm, I'm starting to get a little more on my part fours and my own course in two now in regulation, because it's like, hey, you just—it's the game. It's improves. It's a you constantly working at uh, more success than failure. Yeah, yeah. And, because you're always that's and that's the thing about golf. It's a it's a failure and success game, and you're going to have more failures than you are successes. Even the very best player in the world loses way more times than he wins. So that's the yeah. way it is. That's the game. And that's the game, and it's a it's a it teaches you in in a sense of never give up, but it's a game of honor. So therefore, if you take shortcuts. The only person you're cheating is yourself. Right. And that's one thing I learned early. And, and the, the whole thing was that it took a while to sink in on that. But, you know, there's no um, <laughs> count your shot. It's like it, it, it just in life. It's like you got to count everything and be honest. And if you don't, you're just you're, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you, you mentioned there about golf teaching you. So, I mean, what have you learned about yourself by playing golf? That I am persistent. That it's like it's a it's a not a give up thing. You know, I never gave up on the. I did give up for those ten years, but now that I'm back, it's like it's coming back with a stronger enthusiasm. And every day that I go out to play golf, I just if I. You know, now I'm shooting and uh, say low nine. Sometimes I get into the eighties and low nineties is my average. But hey, if I go out and I shoot a high ninety round, mm. hey, just a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, didn't play real well. And whereas before, it's, oh my god, I played so bad. You know, <laughs> now it's <laughs> now I look at hey, I was out with the guys, we had fun. You know. A few laughs, jokes, those are what, you know, just the, uh, just being out with the people and not being isolated for in, you know, and that's the one thing I would say that the wheelchair is, is it's, it's, they're isolating when you've had to, if you haven't dealt with it from, you know, some people deal with all these disabilities different. Um, I think younger, the people that have accidents younger in life uh, that lead to say they're disabled or such, they handle them better because they, they haven't had their life um, habits. Right. Whereas I had my injury when I was all, just before I turned 40 years old. And so I had my life habits. I had things. I didn't have the vision of what if I'm ever in a wheelchair? So that was the, the you know, that almost like a death blow. Yes. And then it was, you know, you're sitting there figuring, how do I reinsert myself into this world to get, you know, satisfaction from life? And so having golf introduced and back into it, it's like that second lease on life. And we appreciate more of those things that we just take for granted that most regular folks just take for granted. 
I think you've almost answered my my final question. Um, but I'm going to let you have another go at this one as well because it's such an important question, I think, for for people to, to hear about your view on this. So if you could magically be with somebody who falls on the head or wakes up in the, the hospital bed and can't feel the legs um, or they've got a similar disability to you, what advice would you want to offer them, Dennis? Stay positive is the is the one thing you've always got to stay positive no matter how bleak things look um it you gotta look for a brighter future otherwise you're just gonna go downhill and if you don't have that belief and you gotta believe in yourself and i think some of that like say with me comes from my being in sales where i've always had to go out meet somebody new and try to get them to buy something from me or offer them a service that's going to, you know, improve their business and such. And so having that background has helped me deal with my injury better. And not that I'm, I, I went through the lowest of lows and, you know, just beating myself up wondering why me, why did this happen to me? And, I always feel that, you know, there's reasons in life that things happen or whatever. You know, I have a faith in God and I believe that, you know, he didn't abandon me. And now that I'm coming through all this, that I'm back work, you know, you're interviewing me here for this deal. It's like, I feel just like I'm on top of the world. Like I've got, the world back and for somebody that to have some, you know, if I was to meet somebody else that's disabled, it's like, you know what? Don't, don't be down. There's always tomorrow and there's brighter days ahead with all of these new advancements in technology for adaptive equipment. It's people like myself are out, doing things that uh, just regular folks do. Well, it's great advice, uh, Dennis, and uh, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. I'm sure that we're going to get to chat again. Um, not only that, not only chat, but I'm sure we'll get together again at some point at one of these tournaments. Oh, yeah. No, I'm working at, uh, when I'm, uh, well, I'll see, I'm playing in a tournament up in Canada here in, um, in August. Yep. The Canadian, the amputee, uh, Canadian amputee and disabled open. Yep. And then I will be going to the U.S. AGA um, World Championships in Las Vegas in October. And I'll talk to Anthony and see where else we can go over in Europe next year because I would like to, you know, attend some events over there. Yeah. Well, we've got a very full schedule that's that's coming together, but not only the full schedule at the elite end, which is the tournament side, and you know we've also got lots of things going on at the participation end of, of what we do as well. So getting more people playing the game, you know, introducing more people to the game, and I'm sure that anybody who listens to this interview when we uh, when we get it finished off and you know get it, get the article out as well, 
I'm sure they'll be inspired by your words, Dennis. And uh, certainly, uh, thank you very much for giving me your time. If if somebody would like to reach you, how can they find you? Well, you can put my name on, you know, just uh, type my name into Facebook, and that would probably be the easiest way to uh, look me up. Uh, or you could just Google my name, and I'm sure that uh, all my information is <laughs> anywhere hey, with the World Wide Web anymore. It doesn't seem like uh, you can't find anything anymore. No secrets now, Dennis. No, no, no <laughs> secrets. So, but I'm there. I'm not uh, hiding from anybody. And I would love to. I'm very accessible to for anybody to reach out. And I will always, uh, you know, try to help anybody get, you know, whatever it is to get into this game. Cool. Well, Dennis, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, Tony, thank you very much for interviewing me. I was very honored to uh, that you, you know, that uh, you picked me to interview. It's been a pleasure. This was an Edgar Player story, supported by Ping, helping golfers to play their best. For more information about Edgar, please visit edgargolf.com. Stay tuned for the next Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. Ping. Play your best.